0: Gabriel Ernest by Suckey. There is a wild beast in your woods, said the artist Cunningham, as he was being driven to the station. It was the only a mark he'd made during the drive, but Van van Cl- 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 cheerily had talked incessantly his companion's silence had not been noticeable. A strange fox or two and some resident weasels. Nothing more formidable, said van cheerily. The artist said nothing. What did you mean about a wild beast? said Van Sheely later, when they were on the platform. Nothing, my imagination. Here is a train, said Cunningham. Out on earth the noon, Van Sheely Klee- Klee- went for, for one of his frequent rambles through his woodland property. He had stuffed bitten in his, in his study. He had stuffed bitten in his study and the names of quite a number of wildflowers, so his aunt had possibly some justification in describing him as a great naturalist. At any rate, he is a great walker. It was his custom to make the mental notes of everything he saw during his walks, not so much for the purpose of assisting contemporary science as to provide topics for conversation afterwards. When the bluebells began to show themselves in flower, he made a point of informing every one of the fact. The season of the year might have warned his hearers or likelihood of such an occurrence, but at least they felt he was being absolutely frank with them. What Van saw on this particular afternoon was, however, something far removed from his ordinary range of experience. The shelf of smooth stone overhanging a dull, a deep pool the hollow of an oak, Caprice, a boy of about sixteen, lay a sparrow, drying his wet brown limbs luxuriously. In the sun, his wet hair, parted by a recent dive, lay close to his head, and his light brown eyes, so light they were as almost tigerish gleam in them. The turtle was ventured to clearly, with a certain lazy watchfulness, it was an unexpected apparition that Van Clear cheerily found himself engaged in a novel process of thinking before he spoke. Where well, enough off did this wild looking boy hail from? Miller's wife had lost her child some two months ago, supposed to have been swept away by a mill race, but that had been mere, that had been mere baby, not a half grown lad. What are you doing there? he demanded. Obviously, stunning myself, replied the boy. Where do you live here in these woods? You can't live in the woods," said Venturi. "They are very nice woods," said the boy, with a touch of patronage in his voice. But where do you sleep at night? I don't sleep at night. That's my busiest time. Venturi began to have an, have an irritated feeling. He was grappling with a problem that was eluding him. What do you feed on? He asked. Flesh," said the boy, and he pronounced the word with slow relish as though you were tasting it flesh what flesh says it interested you rabbits wildflower fowl, hares poultry lambs in their season children when they can't get any they usually too well locked in at night when i do most of my hunting it's quite two months since i tried ch- to child fresh ignoring the chaffing nature of the last remark venturing but try to draw the boy on the subject possible poaching Operations. We're talking rather though, you rather through your hat when you speak of feeding the hares, considering nature, his toilet. The Somali was hardly an apt one. While hillside hares aren't easily caught, a night 104 feet, a some somewhat cryptic response, I suppose you mean, you hunt with the dog, has it? And the boy rolls slowly on his back. And laughed a weird, low hat laugh that was presently like a chuckle, disagreeably like a snarl. I don't f- fancy the dog will be very anxious for my company, especially at night. Mr. clearing began to feel that there was something puzzling and cunning in the strange-eyed, strange-tongued youngster. I can't have you staying in these woods," he declared, affrontedly. "I fancy you'd rather have me here than in your house," said the boy. The prospect of this wild new animal in Venturi's primary ordered house was certainly alarming man. If you don't go, I shall have to bank you, said Venturi, but he turned like a flash plunged into the pool, and in a moment had flung his wet and glittering body halfway up the bank where Venturi was standing. In an otter, the movement would not have been remarkable. The boy Van Cleary found it significantly startling. His foot slipped as he made an involuntary backward movement. He found himself almost prostrate on a slippery, weed grown bank, with those tigerish tardry, yellow eyes not far away from his own. Instantly, he half raised his hand to his throat, the boy laughed again, a laugh which a snarl had nearly driven out the chuckle. chuckle. And then, with another of his astonishing, lightning movements, plunged out of view to yielding tangled weed and fern. What extraordinary wild animals, said Fury, He picked himself up, then recalled Cunningham's remark, There is a wild beast in your woods. Walking slowly homeward, Ben Cleary began to turn over in his mind various local occurrences which might be traceable to existence this astonishing young savage. Something had been thinning the game in the woods lately. Poultry had been missing. The farm's hares had been well growing. and candle is scarcer. Complaints had reached him of lambs being carried off bodily from the hills. Was it possible that this wild boy was, re- was really hunting the countryside in company with some clever poacher dogs? He has spoken of hunting four-footed. Far, My they- night. But then, again, he hinted strangely, no dog caring to come near him, especially at night. It's certainly puzzling. And then as Venturi ran his mind over various pretensions had been committed during the last month or two, he came suddenly to dead stop, or like in his walk, his back relations, a child missing for the meal two months ago. His for fear was it tumbled into the meal race, and been swept away. The mother had always declared he heard a shriek on the hillside of the house, In the opposite direction of the water. So unthinkable, of course, but he wished that the boy had not made a cunning remark about child flesh eaten two months ago. Such dreadful things should not be said, even in fun. In Cleary, contrary to his usual want, he did not feel disposed to be communicative of his discovery in the wood. position as a parish counselor and justice of the peace seemed somehow compromised. The fact he was harbouring a personality of such doubtful repute. on his property um, was even a possibility that heavy bill damages for raided lambs and poultry might be laid at his door. A dinner at night is quite unusually silent. Where's your voice gone to? said his aunt. One would think you've seen a wolf. And Cleary had who was not familiar with no those saying thought the remark rather foolish. He had seen a wolf on the property, his property's tongue, would have been extremely busy with the subject. At breakfast next morning, Virtually was conscious of it, that his feeling of uneasiness regarding yesterday's episode had not wholly disappeared. He resolved to go by train the neighboring cathedral town. Hunt up Cameron would learn from him what he really seen that had prompted the remark about a wild beasts in the woods. With the resolution taken, with this resolution taken, his usual cheeriness part returned. He hummed a bright little melody. He slotted to the morning room for his customary cigarette. As he entered the room, the melody made way abruptly for pious invocation. Gracefully, Seth on the Ottoman, attitude is almost staggering, but repose. The boy of the woods, he was drier than, than Van Cleary, seeing him. That seen him, but no other alteration, alteration was notable in his toilet. How dare you come here? said Van Cleary furiously. You told me not to stay in the woods, said the boy calmly, but not to come here. Supposing my aunt, w- we should see you. A view of minimizing that catastrophe, where Cleary has obscured, as much as he welcome guest's pardon, folds of the morning post, and At that moment his aunt entered the room. This poor boy, who's lost his way and lost his memory, and don't know who he is or where he's fault comes from, explained Van Cleary, desperately glancing at the raised face to see whether he was going to add inconvenient candor to his other savage pro- Pensities. Miss Van Cleary was of extremely enormously interested. Cracky's and underli- his underlying his march, he suggested. He seems to have lost most of that, too, said Van Cleary, making frantic little grabs at the morning post to keep it in its place. A naked homeless child appealed to Miss Van as warmly as a stray kitten and derelict puppy would have would have done. We must do all we can for him," she decided. In a short time, I measured a dispatch to the rectory, where Pageboy was kept. We Returned with a suit of pantry clothes and necessary accessories—a shirt, shoes, collar, etc.—clothed, clean, and groomed. The boy lost none of his unkindness in Van eyes, but his aunt found him sweet. We must call him something till we know who he really is," she said. Abel it, I think. Those are nice, suitable names. Van Cleary agreed. He probably doubted whether they were, they were being grafted on to a nice, suitable child. His givings were not diminished by the fact that he strayed. The early spaniel had bolted out the room, out at that house, first incoming the boy, and now absurdly remained shivering and yelping at the further end of the, of the orchard. while Carrie, usually vocally Industrious as Ventnor himself had it put himself on an allowance of frightened cheaps, more than ever resolved to consult Cunningham without loss of time. So he drove off to the station. art his aunt was arranging that Gabriel Ernest should help her entertain the infant members of her Sunday school class. a teen afternoon them, them was at not at first disposed to be communicative. My mother died of some brain trouble, he explained. So you will understand why I'm averse to dwelling. on anything think of an impossibility to leave fantastic nature. I may see or think that I have seen. But what did you see, persisted Van Cleary? What I thought I saw was something that was so extraordinary that no really sane man would dignify it with credit of having actually happened. But standing last evening I was with you, half hidden in the hedge-growth by the orchard gate, Watching the dying scroll, glow of the sunset. Suddenly became aware of a naked boy, a babe from some neighbouring pool. I took to him to be who was standing out on the bare hillside, almost watching the sunset. He posed as suggestive of a wild fawn, a pagan myth that I, that I instantly wanted to engage in as a model, and in another moment I think I should have held him. But just then the sun dripped out of view, and all the orange and pink stood out of the landscape, leaving it cold and grey. At that same moment, the surrounding thing happened. The boy vanished too. What vanished away into nothing? said Van Cleefie Excitedly. No, that's not, that's, that is the dreadful part of it, answered the artist. On the open hillside where the boy had been standing a second ago, to the large wolf blackish in colour. Gleaming fangs and cold yellow eyes, you may think. But Van Cleary did not stop for anything as fertile as fault. Already he was tearing at top speed to walls of station. To dismiss the idea of a telegram, telegram Gave one of as a werewolf. With was a hopeless and effort to grain the situation. His aunt would think it was a code message for which he admitted to give her the key. His one hope was that he might reach home before sundown. A cab, as you tarted at the other end of the railway journey, bore him with what seemed expressly pressed, slowness along the country roads, which were pink and mauve, the flush of the sinking sun. His aunt was putting away some unfinished jams and cake when he whined, Where is Gertie Royalis? he almost screamed. He's taking the to- little troop tro- children tro- tro- home, said his aunt. It was getting so late. I thought it wasn't safe to let it, let it go back alone. What a lovely sunset, isn't it? But Benleaf, though no, not, not obvious of, of the glow of the western sky, did not stay to discuss its beauties. At speed for which he scarcely geared, he raced along the narrow lane and led to the home, the troops. He on, on one side ran the swift current of the mill stream. The other rose a stretch of bare hillside, Drilling rim of red sun showed, still on the skyline. Next turning, must bringing him in view of all insulted couple, he was pursuing. Then the color went suddenly out of the things, a gray light, showed itself a quick silver. Over the landscape, Van Cleary heard a sure wail of fear and stopped running. Nothing is seen again of the child of all gay witness, but the later's disregarded garments were found lying in the road. So it was soon that the child had fallen into the water. A boy stripped and jumped in in vain endeavor to save it. They clearing some workmen who were nearby at the time testified they heard a child scream loudly just near the spot where the clothes were found. The two, with eleven other children, was decently resigned to a bereavement. As Miss Van Tjuri sincerely mourned a lost family, it was an initiative that a memorial brass was put on the parish church to gable Ernest, an unknown boy who bravely sacrificed over life for another. Benjamin gave way to his aunt in most things, he flatly refused to scribe to gable Ernest memorial.